Hello, and welcome to Designer Discussions with Jason, Miriam, and Maria. Today, we are joined by Dwayne Becker, and we will be talking about a winning marketing and sales process for your business. Welcome to the Designer Discussions podcast with Jason, Maria, and Miriam. Tune in each week where we talk about marketing, PR, and business advice for design professionals. Are you an interior designer facing the challenges of marketing your business? Are you struggling to find the time and looking for effective solutions? You're not alone. Many interior designers and robotics share these same things, but there is a solution. Welcome to the Designer Discussions Academy, where we understand your challenges and are here to help. Our academy offers a monthly focus on marketing, PR, and business development tailored for interior designers and remodelers. Learn the most important marketing tactics from SEO to get press, social media, and even harnessing the power of AI. Join us at the Designer Discussions Academy and take the first step towards transforming your interior design business. We are joined here today by Dwayne Becker. I've known him for a few years now. We've both spoke at a number of events. KB is a lot of NKBA events, and there is no other person I know in this industry that knows the sales process as well as Dwayne. And I'm going to just have him do a little intro into who he is. How are you today, Dwayne? Good. Thanks, Jason. Um, I've been in the kitchen and bath industry for somewhere around 18 years now and um, in sales for 20 plus years. So what I've been doing uh, over time is I've been taking my sales skills and I've been integrating those with my skills as a kitchen and bath designer and taking that and helping kitchen and bath designers in selling and presentational skills to help them earn more sales and more income and retain their clients. So I think first thing that we should discuss is that there's actually a point between marketing your business and sales. And we've spent a lot of time on our podcast. We've hit 100 episodes where we've been talking about marketing, right? It's the social proof. It's the PR you want to get for your business. It's the website it's all of the public outreach stuff that you're going to have strangers see. And you're going to have people who are just getting to know you or beginning to know, like, and trust you enough to want to interact with you and want to work with you. And what's interesting is that marketing ends at a certain point and we need to start doing sales. And sales is when you have someone who's on board and you are going to be providing them your service, your your products, and all of the things that are going to be happening. So, Jason, can you talk to us a little bit about how you would define the point at which you would go from marketing to sales? That actually happens a lot with what we deal with on the marketing side. And oftentimes, we hear from remodelers that say, uh, you sent us a lot of leads, but a lot of them were not good. <laughs> and and I, I often have an issue with that because sometimes, and this is not always, but a lot of the times what it is, is that there's not a good sales process to once we bring in the leads for the business owners to follow up with the leads to turn them into sales. And so that's why we have uh, Dwayne here, who's a sales expert in this industry to help us uncover a lot of that. But on the marketing side, it's not always about quantity as it is with quality. 
if you've heard us on the podcast for a while, you're, you'll hear me always talk about identify your ideal client avatar. We have that. We have a workbook on that. We have episodes on that that you can listen to where you can get more information on that. But once you define who your ideal client is, now you're honing in on who you're trying to target. And that helps you in a number of ways, like you heard me talk about, because once you define that ideal client, now all of your content, every all of your ads copy, the ad, everything, it, it's all aimed at that ideal client. So once you know who he or she is or who they are, now you reverse engineer all the content that's on your website, all the ads that you have out there, all of the social media posts that you have out there, all of it is saying the same thing. So it's congruent amongst all of your platforms, amongst all of your accounts. So you're reaching that right audience. As you'll always hear me say, if you're trying to market to everybody, you're actually marketing to no one. So once you hone in on who that ideal client is, now you can target that specific individual or company or whoever that is for you. And so now it's more about the quality and not the quantity. And then once you define that and you're have your marketing congruent, all heading in the same way. Now it's about the process. It's about knowing, okay, once we have them in, what's the process to turn that prospect into a virtual project? And that is that process, the sales process from getting them to a lead, turning them to a actual client. And so that's why we have Dwayne here to talk a little bit about that as well. One thing that um, I have discovered in the industry that a lot of designers, so there may be a lead, uh, there may be an inquiry either through a website or via email or whatnot. Um, and a lot of designers in the industry immediately put their design hat on to contact that lead, talk about the project, um, which is great. But what a lot of designers, I think, need to realize is that they're also a salesperson at the same time as which they're a designer. And so they have to think about process um, as far as a sales process, in addition to say initially what you're talking about, Jason, qualifying their client to see if they're gonna be a good fit for that company. And um, that, uh, that process is something that is critical to uh, conveying to that prospect what they have already learned about that company from all the marketing materials. And so what that salesperson, designer, whatever you wanna call that individual needs to understand is that with them being the first touch point with the company, um, they need to convey or at least be on the same page as uh, the marketing materials that are already out there in the field. Um, and because if they are not, and they're giving off a different impression to the prospect of what the company's really about, based on what the prospect has discovered from the marketing materials, um, then that whole prospect is going to go south and go somewhere else because there's a lot of they see it as a lot of inconsistency. It's like, well, wait a minute, this website over here said that they were about this, but this person who's contacting me is asking me about this instead. Well, that doesn't agree. I'm really confused. This doesn't make sense. Let me go somewhere else. 
And uh, so that's where um, I believe that whoever, and sometimes it's the owner, um, whoever is developing the marketing materials, they need to make sure through the salespeople and the designers, sometimes it's the same people, sometimes it's two different individuals, uh, are on the same page together as far as the feeling and concept they want to convey to the prospects coming in. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. And that's what happens in a lot of larger organizations is that the marketing sales may not always be on the same page. They may not be talking to each other. And then in the smaller companies where you may only have small team, they may not view the sales side as vital. They may say, okay, well, we want to get all these leads in. We want to get as many leads as possible but then don't have the process to once you get the lease, turn them into sales because they haven't really organized the sales process. They have the marketing or some of them have the marketing ironed out and ha- have that process, what they're going to use in terms of the platform. Are they going to use social media, whether it be Instagram, Pinterest, Facebook, whatever, if they have email marketing, if they have a CRM to collect all this information and track what's happening. And they have a lot of them may have that process ironed out on the marketing side. And it may not always be congruent, but they have a process for that. But where we see a lot of them drop the ball is on the sales process. Once you get the lead in, once you have actually contacted your ideal prospect, what do you do then? Mm -hmm. So a lot of that has to do with, obviously, um, to speak sales now, is qualifying your prospect. Um, which in the kitchen and bath industry, um, I believe one wants to do as quickly as possible. And, uh, you know, there are some people that um, are going to be looking for a scope of a project that is beyond what that company does. So that might not be a good fit, or they might be looking for a scope of a project that is much smaller than that, what, what that company is accustomed to, or has time to devote resources towards. And so that too wouldn't be a good fit. And so that's a point where the designer salesperson would want to say, you know what, I understand you want to accomplish X, Y, and Z, but that really doesn't fit with what we do as a company. And I really suggest that you pursue other avenues or something to that effect. Um, Whereas a lot of uh, designers, at least that I have spoken with, feel the need to um, work as far forward as possible with every single prospect that comes in. And by doing that, they end up then frequently not selling to them at all. And they've already committed X amount of time, days, hours, weeks, whatever, to developing this person's project only to discover that it wasn't quite right to begin with, and now they're going elsewhere. Whereas if they can qualify them more quickly to see if they are going to be a good fit for that designer and or company, then they can filter through the the myriad of incoming leads they have and really focus on the ones that will be profitable and successful for that company. So Dwayne, what would you say is the point at which you begin sales for like a residential interior designer, maybe a office with a main lead interior designer and an assistant and um, like, you know, just generalized office space? Like what would be the point at which you believe sales would begin for that type of business? 
I'm going to ask you to define that question um, from the first point of contact. Sales begins from the absolute first point of contact. It's an ongoing thing. It's always happening. It's a process. It's part of the design process. Um, because when you're, as a designer, and this is part of the sales process as well, if you believe that this uh, countertop solution over here is a good solution for this customer, as opposed to maybe what they're interest, what they're stating they're interested in, and you believe based on your knowledge of the product and or the industry and what would work for their situation, that this would be a better choice for them, what are you doing? You're selling them on that idea that this is a better choice. So everything that you do with that client is part of the sales process. So many people are under the thought that the sales process is doing a transaction. No, it's not. The sales process is everything that's included in that entire process. You're selling them on an idea. You're selling them on a concept. So a lot of people ask, um, are salespeople born or made? But everybody's born a born salesperson. I'm going to use the typical example of the small child that's in the supermarket asking for a candy bar from one of their parents. They're going to look at them and they're going to hear no. Well, they're going to say, well, if I do this when we get home, can I have a candy bar? They're going to try every single avenue possible to get their parent to say, yes, okay, if you do this, I'll get you a candy bar. That's just, that's sales, right? But that's natural. And you trying to convince your partner to eat at this restaurant instead of this restaurant because you like it better is sales. You're selling them an idea on a concept. So everything you're doing with your client as far as presenting your project and I won't. I don't like to use the word convincing because it sounds manipulative. But showing them or demonstrating to them that one choice is a better choice for them in their situation than another is sales. So to answer your question once again, it starts from day one. Your first point of contact with that prospect is you selling, incorporating that into your entire design process and talking to that prospect about their choices, what they want to accomplish um, and what they want to achieve. What I, what I find really interesting is I found um, very few um, designers fall into the middle ground. Most of them are leaning towards one extreme or another in that they either are great designers, but they can't sell their work very well. Or they're mediocre designers, but they can sell anything under the sun. And unfortunately, the ones that can sell anything under the sun usually are the ones that are selling projects that have major hiccups near the end when it's trying to be completed. Um, the other design, the designers who uh, struggle more with their sales are the ones that are uh, frequently excellent designers. And there are f very few hiccups in the end. They are so detail-oriented but the sales process is kind of foreign to them or they don't they don't spend enough time thinking about it too much um, because in their minds and i'm generalizing of course in their minds um I, I don't understand this is a gorgeous design this is amazing why aren't these people buying it i gave them everything they wanted why aren't they buying it i often hear from 
a lot of remodelers or designers that say, I don't know why XYZ down the street gets all these projects and they do half of what we do. Like we we can run circles around them in design. I often hear about you know the problems they have with design, but they get all these projects. And Ooh. oftentimes I say is that they really have their marketing and sales process down to a science where they know and oftentimes and like you said i'm not going to generalize but they know where they would have a hard time to compete on the design side they know they need to have that other side flawless and so that's where they spend a lot of their time is on the sales and marketing side getting that down packed because they know they might have a hard time to compete just on design alone. But on the other side, they know they can get the clients. And so that's what I see on my end. And I actually hear that from a lot of the designers or models that we work with is how do all these people get all these projects, can't do design worth the you know what, <laughs> but they but they get in all these projects. So, But the other thing too, you mentioned, um, they don't do nearly as much as we do. So why are they getting all this work? And it's because they don't do as much as you do. They're exactly. focused. They are laser focused on what they do. They do that. That's all they do. They probably do it well. And that's it. Now, and the other thing that, so uh, Maria, what you touched on um, really boils down to, I think, probably three major things as far as why people aren't buying. I think I've got it down to three. Um, one is like you mentioned, Jason, one is decision fatigue. If you're doing so much, if the project is so huge, that's too overwhelming for a lot of people. It's too much to think about. I'm going to go to this guy over here. It's simple. He's making it simple for me. And that's where the primary job for a, a good selling designer is to make the client's choices as simple as possible. Um, the the explanation that I like to make is uh, everybody has most people have a hard time choosing from seven different items if you've got similar items in front of you, but you can choose A or B and you know which one you like better. Again, simplifying it as much as possible. An interesting statistic, I unfortunately do not recall where it came from, but it was the kitchen and bath industry, says that approximately a little over 30%, so almost a third of prospects who don't buy anything whatsoever said that the reason they didn't buy is because they were overwhelmed with too many choices and they gave up. It was too hard. So they said, screw it, I'm gonna stick with what I have. Very interesting. So what, so I followed that up with what you need to do as a designer is a make the decisions and choices less overwhelming for the client make it simple for them and your biggest challenge one of your biggest challenges out there is not the competitor your biggest challenge is providing enough value to your prospect to make them willing to take the leap and step out of the status quo and make a change. That's your biggest challenge. To make them say, yep, I'm gonna go through the whole uncomfortable situation of redoing my space, which is a huge inconvenience, but it's gonna be worth it in the end. 
as opposed to, you know what, too many choices, I'll stick with what I've got. That is much of the time your biggest hurdle. So when clients ghost their designer, don't respond, don't come back. Much of the time, it's not because they went somewhere else. It's because they gave up. And I don't know a single designer out there who has never come into a situation where their client suddenly pops up from out of the blue a year later and says, yeah, you know that project we were talking about? Let's go now. Yeah, because now they've had time to kind of digest everything and step back and reevaluate everything and say, yeah, I think I've got the gumption to step forward now. Number two on that is, of those three things, is one of the primary reasons that people don't buy from you as a designer is fear. Fear of almost anything imaginable. Fear of the unknown, fear that they're going to be criticized from their friends and family for making the wrong choices or weird choices, fear that they're paying too much. Again, fear about everything imaginable. One of the biggest fears, though, is fear of the unknown. And that is where there were vague steps in the process that weren't explained clearly enough. So they're not moving forward because they, they're not confident about how this is going to play out. So that's a huge one. So um, one, if I drill down that a little bit, um, one of the things I um, really, really try to impress upon desires, designers is setting the next appointment. Setting the next appointment before their prospect leaves them from the current appointment. Always, always, always set the next appointment. That way they don't have the opportunity to ghost you. But the key of that being successful is to review with the client what is going to be accomplished at that next appointment so that there is no fear of the unknown. So they know what they're going to come back for. So that's really critical that you do that or else they're going to cancel the appointment. Or um, if the designer lacks scheduling that, then frequently uh, their prospect will not respond to emails, not return phone calls and not get back to them because they don't know how this is supposed to play out. They don't have somebody coaching them through, this is what we're going to do next. It's interesting because I, I hear this and I think, wow, this so much of it, it can be passive thoughts that the designer is having and you're showing actions that can be implemented to change the actual outcome. And the scary part is the actions really aren't that complicated if you just put them into practice. The challenging part that most designers have is they don't develop a routine to put them into practice. Some of them even boil down to phrases and things that you can say to a client to elicit the response, you not the response you want, but to elicit the answer you want, the honest answer you want. And a lot of that has to do with practice. If you phrase it properly, if you develop the phrase properly, you're probably going to have to practice it so it comes off very naturally. You don't have to think about it. And when you do that, then you will get the an- the true answer that you're really looking for. But a lot of it is, um, it's really just sheer practice, making sure that you have a process in place so that you don't forget to do X, Y, or Z. The third one that um, is, is really a, a misconception. 
And that is that um, a lot of designers think that their customers aren't buying them from them because of the price. And and 90% of the time, it, it has nothing to do with price. And I can, I can tell you why I know that. And um, so another thing I, I try to do is a lot of times um, a prospect will come in, sit down with a designer, and through the conversation, it will be brought up from the prospect that they have shopped elsewhere through a designer, through a big box store, whatever. Um, whenever um, I hear that from a prospect, I always stop and I ask them, and sometimes they'll even have some rudimentary plans in front of them. This is what this other designer did for me. And, you know, a great way to approach that is, oh, well, this, this looks like a halfway decent plan. Let me ask you something. Why didn't you buy it? And then stop and let them elaborate. Now, a lot of times, and I have asked prospects this very question before, and a lot of times they will say, well, I really, I, I thought I wanted to shop around the price to see if they were being competitive. Still, once again, do not say anything yet. Because I can almost guarantee you they're going to follow that up with, oh, and I didn't like how they blah, blah, blah. And also, they weren't listening to me when I talked about ABC and what I wanted over here. So they're using the prospect uses the price point question as an excuse when in reality they weren't there was something about that entire transaction or conversation that they weren't entirely comfortable with. If they were really thrilled with the with the process and the transaction and the conversation and the design, the price would have been irrelevant. And that's where a lot of designers get so hung up on the price and it's all about the price. Well, that's what their clients are telling them, but that's not the real story. I mean, let's be real. If it was about the price, we wouldn't be going out and buying Starbucks coffee. I'd be running out to Dunkin' Donuts and buying coffee. It's not about the price. Or, or for you Southerners, I'd be running out to Honeydew and buying coffee instead of Starbucks. It's not about the price. It's about the overall buying experience, the overall experience, and how satisfied you were with it. Once again, if it was about the price, people wouldn't be, wouldn't be buying Mercedes. Coach would be out of business. It's not about price. It's about the overall experience. If your customer is absolutely satisfied with their overall experience with you and they love you and they like what you've done, the price to a large, to a degree, I mean, as long as it's not ridiculous, is relatively irrelevant. They will buy it. So that's number three, is the misconception about why they're not buying. If anyone in our audience wants to get in touch with you, how do they do so? They can email me at Dwayne.becker at Sapre Training, S-A-P-R-E training.com. Or they can get they can find me on LinkedIn as well. Those are the best two ways. Thank you, Dwayne, for coming on this episode of marketing and the sales process for us on designer discussions. And we will see you guys in two weeks and we're going to continue this conversation. And we hope you are becoming as excited about the sales process as we are. Are you an interior designer facing the challenges of marketing your business? Are you struggling to find the time and looking for effective solutions? You're not alone. 
Many interior designers and robotics share these same pains, but there is a solution. Welcome to the Designer Discussions Academy, where we understand your challenges and are here to help. Our academy offers a monthly focus on marketing, PR, and business development tailored for interior designers and remodelers. Learn the most important marketing tactics from SEO to get press, social media, and even harnessing the power of AI. Join us at the Designer Discussions Academy and take the first step towards transforming your interior design business. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Designer Discussions and all of the helpful information. Subscribe to our podcast, leave us a review, and share it with your friends. We look forward to having you back next week. For more information on the podcast and the marketing studio, visit designerdiscussions.com and follow us on social media.